Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. He checks a lot of boxes. He does a lot of things really well. Is it, does that, is it a guarantee that he's going to be great? No, I'm, I mean, I'm chuckling here and zooming, you know, talk about Andrew Luck as this generational player. Look, that's always the fear that can always be the case. But if you're looking for the thing that, like, gives you all this concern, I just don't know that there is something that's obvious that gives you concern about him. That's Tim Hasselbeck. Obviously, you know the quarterback position. Yeah. What's interesting is you, because of the nature of the quarterback position, I would think there'd be more skepticism on Trevor Lawrence anyway. I mean, not to say Hasselbeck wasn't bullish on him there, but he, he, there was a little hesitation to be like, okay, let's put him in the Hall of Fame. And, yeah. and I think that's okay. You know, I mean, that's a, you're just surprised more people aren't. That, that's how much – I think to the point right now, this is my only little bit of fear factor on Trevor Lawrence is that I think almost anybody's afraid to say anything. It would look so far off the deep end to say anything critical of Trevor Lawrence. Like, yeah. I don't think he's going to make it, or I don't think he's the guy, or I don't think yeah. that nobody's willing to do it. Now, yeah. And I, you of all people shouldn't be willing to do it right now. Well, I, feel like about to, to do it. I feel like you're about to drop something on us here. No, I'm not. I'm just okay. saying. I mean, in this in this draft, everybody always does that. Yeah. Right? I mean, there was somebody that thought Johnny Manziel was going to go to the Hall of Fame, and then there were a lot of people. It's no, not all... Uh, prospects are like that, mm-hmm. where they're polarizing. But I would imagine there are some people. I got to go back and look, and and maybe not when you get to the Elways, the Peyton Mannings, and the and the Andrew Lux. But when you the, when you get to those guys, I got to believe there's some folks that said Andrew Luck. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not as crazy on this guy as everybody else is. There's oh, look at all the people that talk football now. There's always somebody willing to do that. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there's anybody willing to do that on Trevor Lawrence. And by the way, that's that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has never played a snap in the NFL. I, you know, where are the flaws? Like when I asked McShay on Friday, I said, like, Todd, why is he so – like, I get it. Like, he checks boxes. But there's a lot more things than just checking boxes. Arm strength, six foot six. He can move. There's a lot more to the position than that. He's like, find me a flaw. Mm-hmm. And so – they can't do it. They can't find the flaw. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's not to say he's a perfect human being, but he is about as perfect of a draft prospect at the QB position as you can remember. And, no, and, and it's right next to the Lux, the Mannings, the, the everything else. Um, I'm just waiting for the outlier guy. And, and maybe as we get closer to the draft, somebody would like double down and be like, oh, no, wait until you – I'm gonna, and then that guy five years from now, if things don't go right or if he has an interception, five interception game, I told you, <laughs> you know, you just that's the world we live in. I'm waiting for that guy. It doesn't happen. I mean, which is which is really cool for Jacksonville well, and for Trevor Lawrence. And like we've all said, he seems like a can't miss. And what I've always said is the floor seems to be good. Mm-hmm. Like the floor for Trevor Lawrence, based on what he is and what people say about him, is good. Mm-hmm. And obviously the ceiling is potentially Canton, Ohio. No, without a doubt. And listen, I've I've spoke my piece about how I feel about Trevor Lawrence, and all I had to see was it would have been his freshman year in the national championship game. Because I remember going into that game and seeing, you know, the the offensive and defensive juggernauts that Alabama was, and, and they were slated to, you know, in my opinion, dominate this game. And I was like, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, he had a good season, but listen, he's still a rookie, he's still a freshman, um, and he's taking on an Alabama defense that – I mean, they, they got first round after first round on that team. 
And, you know, I, I didn't make any bets or anything like that, but I just said, I remember with my friends watching, they're like, dude, this is going to be a blowout. Like, Alabama's got this in the bag. Like, there's no way a freshman's going to come in and blow Alabama's doors off. Why was I wrong? Mm-hmm. Right? And when I saw that freshman do his thing, I'm like, okay, well, now it's in my mind that whoever whoever gets this guy in the future, it'll be a couple years, but whoever this guy goes to an NFL franchise is going to be special. Yeah. And, and that's what I, what I have still stood by to this day, just because – I've seen the the good. I mean, I, I've seen the 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 deck stacked against him, all the pressure on him, and the kid shines. And you know what? I've seen some of the bad too. But you know what? The bad, you would take that bad in Jacksonville any day of the week. Like, the bad comes with like excuses, right? I mean, yeah. he didn't have his top receiver this year. Had a not so great offensive line this year. And was it really as bad as we're saying, or is it as bad as the standard he yeah. set? Well, it, it's, right? it's like the Ohio State Clemson game. I mean, everyone to say Fields outplayed him. Sure, and, and I'll be the first one to say that Fields definitely outplayed Trevor Lawrence. But Trevor Lawrence didn't play bad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Trevor Lawrence had some pretty damn good numbers. You had to give him some like credit. 360 or exactly. Something like that yeah. But uh, Brett Martin, Austin Lane here on a Monday. Hope you had a good weekend, everybody. Um, it's it's going to be it's interesting when it comes to that part of it, right? You're you're just so ballyhooed. And again, I think what's important is, and somebody said this on one of my stops. He's lived up to it. He has lived up to. It. I'll tell you uh, one more thing on, on Trevor right now. I won't be fooled twice by Dabble Swinney. See, I didn't believe Dabble Swinney on on Deshaun Watson. Hmm. I was like, ah, he's just pumping up his guy. Sure. I wasn't this huge Watson guy coming up. Uh, very good quarterback, but I just wasn't like, ah, okay, we'll see. You know, we'll see if it's going to be in the NFL. I, I can't sit here and say, like, Jack should have picked Watson. Hmm. Like, I, I I wasn't saying that at the time. Um, and and boy, Dabble Swinney was like, yeah, you just wait. Mm-hmm. Didn't he like say something like Michael Jordan related? That I can't remember. I'm pretty sure he he, re- he said something to that effect. Something like what? What? You're <laughs> just sticking up for your guy. Yeah. Well, guess what? Tabo was pretty darn close to being right in terms of being a very good franchise guy, change your franchise kind of guy. And he just said about Trevor Lawrence, he's not going to just change Jacksonville. This mm-hmm. guy's going to be a global icon. I mean, I think that's what those that's a phrase he used. Sure. So I'm all in on you, Dabble. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I believe you. And I hope you're right. <laughs> Hopefully you are, man. Hopefully you are. And I hope you're right. But uh, maybe he's a good judge. Yeah. You know, and yeah. he, he was right on Watson, so I won't be fooled by that. I think he around. compared it to Steph Curry's shooting. I think I found the well, article. Oh, no, that was. You're right. You're yeah. right. He did. And, and again, that's that's. That, uh, in layman's terms, makes a lot of sense. That's a good visual, right? Yeah. That, I would say, I, I always tell you this, go watch Stanton. I don't like the Yankees. I don't like Stanton on the Yankees. Yeah. But go watch a BP and you'll be in awe, of course. right? And that's yep. what he was talking about with yep. Lawrence throwing the football. Mm-hmm. And we were in awe on that last throw and some other throws. So, I mean, he's not wrong. Um, but his projection of Deshaun Watson was pretty close to right on. Mm-hmm. Let's hope his projection of Trevor Lawrence is pretty close to right on. Let's get South Beach Gary on real quick. What's up, man? Thanks for hanging around. Hope you had a good weekend. Sure, you, you too. Hey, Austin, Brent. Hey, Austin, you know, having been in several NFL locker rooms, uh, the, the thing with the, where uh, Urban Meyer stated the fact that Chris Doyle was vetted and to trust me, that's not going to fly with the players. And when they meet with Urban, Myers, Urban Meyer, he's going to have to answer some difficult questions to, to the satisfaction of those players, or his tenure could be problematic but even before it's really just begun. Thanks, South Beach Gary. Appreciate it. Uh, well, what do you think? Well, what do you think about what South Beach Gary said? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've kind of stated this a little bit. I think this would have been on Friday. Um, listen, Urban Meyer wants to bring in the best of the best for his football team. And that's fine and everything, but I also think you have to bring in some of the best people. 
okay? And obviously Doyle does not fit that mold. And I think that when you want to bring in the best for your players, it's not like college football where you have a bunch of young men coming from high school who you can shape and you can mold. These guys are already molded, all right? These guys already kind of think for themselves, if you will, and you didn't really consolidate any of those guys. You didn't really ask for their opinions because you haven't met them yet. So essentially what you're doing right now when you're building this team with this coaching staff is you're trying to put the player's best interest in mind because you haven't spoke with them. You have no idea what you're getting into quite yet. And with that Chris Doyle you know, signing and when you brought him in, you didn't speak with the players. You know, you didn't get opinions, and you just kind of said, oh, this would be the best for the team. Well, was it truly best for the team? Because now that guy is gone. And I, I completely agree with South Beach Gary. That conversation will come up about what was going through Urban Meyer's head, why he brought Doyle in, what the vision was supposed to be, because there's plenty of guys in that locker room, old and young, that are kind of like, hey, what was up the Doyle signing in the first place? So I, I agree with South Beach Gary. I, here's the thing. Uh I thought about this a lot over the weekend, right? And there's a lot going on here with the Chris Doyle stuff. And we talked about it Thursday and Friday. You can also go back and check out our conversations. I won't rehash a lot of that. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 podcast. But when the news hit late Friday again, which was a crazy late news break, I I was stunned, actually. Were you surprised to see the Jags pivot like that? As in letting him go? Yeah. Um, Yeah, because I thought it came down to Urban Meyer. And I didn't think Urban Meyer was going to budge. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you. Like I was like, okay, they're going to weather this. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's best. He's not going to go back on this. Listen, I think it's a combination of a couple things. Now, to answer your first, you know, theory here, Shad Khan. You know, Shad Khan made it a habit this, you know, this uh, I guess the past couple months of saying he's going to be yep. more involved and said he right? was the last he, 15 months. He, he's going to be more involved with the transactions, with who they bring in, the hiring process, all that stuff. So his his thumbprint is on all of this stuff. Right. And I was really surprised on that second press release that Shad Khan's name wasn't on there. Yeah. To me, it was peculiar. Because you just got them saying how you're going to be more involved with all these transactions, and then you put Balky's name on there, you put Urban Meyer's name on yeah. there, but I didn't see Shad Khan's name. And this is after, when questioned about Doyle at the opening press conference for the coaching staff, even, you know, Urban Meyer said that he betted and he talked to Shad Khan about this. So Shad Khan knew what was up, okay? And listen, I've never been um, in an NFL front office. But I spoke, like, as soon as that got announced, the first thing I said on the show to open things up is there's going to be an avalanche coming. There's going to be a storm coming. Yeah, you guys better get ready because a lot of people are going to have things to say about this. And for them not to have the foresight of it, and I don't want to be like, hey, I told you so, because that's not my business, man. I, I can really care less. I don't want to point the finger at the organization and say, hey, I was right, you were wrong, because come on, man, like, I'm covering this team. I want to see them do well. But to not have anybody in that building between Shad Khan, Tony Khan, um, you know, even Balky to go, hey, you know what? This hire right here may not be for the best in terms of optics. We're trying to start a turn over a new leaf here and maybe bring him in right now is not the best idea. For nobody to go to Urban Meyer and stand up to him and say we shouldn't do this is baffling to me. Okay? It's baffling. So I don't think it was Shad Khan. I think it was a combination maybe of some players speaking out. I think it was a combination of Balky speaking out. And I think it was a combination of, you know, I the think reaction. Chris Doyle, yeah, the reaction, obviously, and Chris Doyle seeing the reaction and going, all right, like, listen, I know we're, I get it. I, I know we're friends and everything, 20 plus years, whatever the case may be, but this is going to do more harm than good. I'm out. So 
Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't know this answer, by the way. Like, I mean, we are speculating what the Correct. answer is. I, I don't know. I almost feel like if I had to pick one, I, I certainly think the reaction had something to do with it. Of course. Okay. But and, then, and but opened everybody's you, eyes. But then how can't you gauge that reaction? Like, how can't you prepare well, for the reaction, man? Like, you knew that was going to happen. I, I don't know. Like, I say this all the time. This is on a very um, dumbed-down level, okay? Okay. Like, I, I'll, I say this on Twitter a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, just... Looking at a tweet, I might put a tweet out there, but like, I don't know what, I mean, might just put it out for the heck of it. Mm -hmm. And it's not controversial or anything. I'm just saying it's just put a tweet out there and I'm like, hey, this might, this might do us an interesting note or a nugget or whatever. And get like two likes and, and a retweet and nobody looks at it. <laughs> and then sure. I'll put something out and it'll be like, just like this whatever thing. I'm like, well, okay. this, And all of a sudden it will go. There's like 600 likes on it. And so I'm like, I'm like what do we do? What are we, Wildfire. Yeah, why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Like, yeah. why did that tweet register and others didn't? Now, again, I told you this would be a very dumbed down comparison. <laughs> so I I don't know if you know how the room is going to react all the time. I Because here's – first of all, I think you have to acknowledge that there's a sense of blinders on when you're inside a building. This happens at the collegiate level, but it also happens at the NFL level. Yeah. There's a sense of blinders. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Like, you live in your bubble. You don't you're not living on Twitter. You're not living listening to national sports shows. You know, you just don't. They don't live there. They, they don't. Mm. And so whether initially they didn't care about the reaction because they don't live in that world or they just didn't think it would be as monumental as it was and as controversial as it was. I, I just think that's a different world than the one we sit here and predict what the reaction will be. Like, I don't know how much they said. Urban's like, well, listen, I think this guy's going to be really good. I, I just – and we're going to put him in this director of sports performance role. And, and you know me. I also thought this was miscalculated a little bit by everybody else. That job is not strength and conditioning necessarily. It deals with strength and conditioning. I understand, yeah. but it's not it's, – we have a vision of a strength and conditioning coach, and he's yelling at you to get 325 pounds up for your fifth rep. Sure. Right? That's yeah. my vision. That's not the role this guy was in. So, sure. again, I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying I think I'm trying to think like them internally at why they thought, well, we're just putting him in the director of sports performance role. We're not making him our offense. Offensive coordinator. This probably won't come with as much criticism, you know, blah, 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 blah. Sure. I also think Urban probably didn't even read the fact that, hey, we already knew Schottenheimer and Bevel and Cullen and Schneider. Like those guys weren't going to hide this hire. We've been talking about those guys for weeks. Sure. Right. Yeah. So on top of so they misread the reaction. I really believe that's a huge part of it. But I actually think it might be the staff that actually people like Charlie Strong. That's his right hand man. Yeah, probably strong. Probably had a conversation with Urban. Like, dude, this ain't gonna work. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, again, I don't know. We're all we're just speculating. My question is, who basically turned this thing and to allow them to do a 180 and say this isn't gonna work? I would think a guy like Charlie Strong would be, but then a big voice in that in that part. But here's the thing, though. Urban Meyer has made it perfectly clear that Charlie Strong is the, is the number two, and he was the first guy that Urban Meyer hired. You don't think that conversation would have took part before Charlie Strong even got like, hey, listen, I'm thinking about signing this guy. What do you think about it? It's, like, I don't yeah. think he really confided in anybody. That goes back to even Charlie Strong's lived in that bubble for a long time, man. He's not All living right. in the social media, national t radio, watching Get Up in the morning. He's not living in that world. I, I just think there is a totally different world people live in. So I think this leads to, again, we, well, what, why does it matter? Go ahead. Yeah, what I wanted to say is this, though. Okay, I get it like they live in a bubble and Urban Meyer may not have known. Charlie Strong may not have known. Okay. 
But I look at the, the, the old regime, and there's so faces like Shad Khan. He's been here for a while now, yeah. right? Tony Khan's been here for a while. And you saw what happened over the whole grievance thing. Like, for a while, the Jaguars are the laughing stock of national media because of grievances being filed. Like, what, 75%, 8% of the grievances? 25%, yeah. No, 80%, 80% were the... No, no, it was like 25%. Oh, uh, the, the league. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Where, where were the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, embarrassing and, and then, moment. And yeah. then what happened to the NFLPA? They, they came out and said, essentially, you guys shouldn't go play in Jacksonville. Yes. Okay, that was embarrassing. So, like, you have well, to... Well, this was the same thing, by the way. It was embarrassing. The Fritz Pollard Alliance comes out and hammers well, the Jags they, as well. And this is what I was trying to say. This is my point is, listen... You have to let, like, the past kind of, you have to learn from it, all right? What, you, you didn't learn anything because, listen, you have to understand when there's race involved, when there's, you know, especially nowadays, Brett, in second 2021, chance second chance involved, all that stuff, and you're talking about a first-year coach, and you're talking about a new regime coming in. You had to know that stuff was going to happen, and you had to know when it was going to happen what the optics were going to be yeah. like. I, mean, I think they did know what was going to happen. I don't think they knew to the degree what right. was going to happen. Yeah. No, that's my no, point. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think they were blind to the fact that they might get a little pushback. Mm-hmm. Because what if I were them, what I would have done is I would have canceled that news conference. I would have announced it, and I would have, if you really wanted this guy, I would have said, given it 24 hours before I talk about it. Mm. So then I could craft a better answer than Urban Meyer crafted. Because all he basically said three times over when asked about it yeah. was, we vetted the guy. And he brought Shot in as we vetted the guy yeah. through Shot, through Balky. And then he said, but he's the best guy. But he's the best guy. Well, is this really the best for the team? Like, if you're really trying to do the best for the players, the best for the team, is this guy the best for them? Might be good at the job, but is he best for them? And so he could have crafted a way better response and then explained further maybe that he's not the strength and conditioning coach. We moved him to a different role. He's not going to be around the players day to day. You could have done a myriad of things if you had given it 24 hours before talking about it. That showed me how blind he was to the kind of reaction he was going to get. Again, I think he was going to get reaction. He was ready for the we vetted him part. Mm -hmm. But he didn't give a good enough answer Mm -hmm. and therefore got lambasted even more Thursday night into Friday. My, my last part of this, because I know we got to go break, but who is the checks and balances for Urban Meyer then? If Urban Meyer was given the keys here to kind of do whatever he wanted, who's the – because you bring up the Coughlin thing. And the last time Shad gave somebody the keys to the car, Coughlin got 25% of the NFL PA grievances, yeah. and it created kind of a mess. Yes. And so he's giving Urban the keys to the car. We get it, right? That's part of the deal. That's what you do when you bring someone to Urban. But somebody still has to be at checks and balances, whether it's Urban's chief of staff, whether it's Bulky. And Bulky doesn't seem like he has a lot of power from the outside. I don't know if he does, but he doesn't seem to. The perception is he's, he's under Urban as the GM. And then, again, Charlie Strong, is he a powerful voice here? Shad Khan, is he communicating all the time and rubber stamping these things or is he kind of like hey, check back in a week and tell me what you decided yeah. I, who's the check everybody needs checks and balances everybody so who's going to be that person and whoever that was this time well, or listen. if it wasn't if it didn't exist it failed yeah and if it, they did have somebody they'll they probably failed too on this front you know what's been the overall synopsis the past couple months brent before we knew Urban Meyer was going to come here, but like, what what were we looking for? It was communication, right? How many times have we echoed on the show? You got to have communication, right? Because the old regime, the communication, there was a breakdown there, and it was a problem. And then you bring Urban Meyer in, and now we're sitting here because, to me, it was very telling when they put out the press release Friday night, 
And they said, all right, Urban Meyer, you know, in retrospect, and they used the verbiage in retrospect and looking back on it now, okay, fine. And, like, I took that for what it was worth. Now, it is what it is. I took it for what it was worth. And then Saturday morning comes out, and then you release another one involving the GM. So in that time period from whatever, 11 p.m. on Friday night till the news cycle on Saturday, you want to bring out something else, it's like, listen, what happened in that time? Because people were on the same page again. I don't even get it. Why did you have to add bulky? Was that an urban ego because, thing? Because, well, once again, it's communication, Brent. Now, whether – listen, I don't know how much influence Bulky had on that decision. I don't think I any. I think it was Urban Meyer. But at the end of the day, the fact that you had to put out another press release and include his name, once again, communication, we are on the same point. Yeah, and, I, and, and to me, I'll be honest. Like, I understand it's just one little thing right now, um, but it worries me. Okay, it worries me when you have to put out two press releases for the same statement because you didn't include the GM on the first one. Like, that to me shows a lack of communication. That is the one thing that I've been preaching the past how many months of you got to have communication. You got to have communication. You got to have communication. And what happened Friday and then to Saturday shows that they're not on the same page right now and they, they better get on the same page, as I'm going to say. Well, whether it was a Freudian slip or not, the fact that it just had Urban's name first. Shows you that everybody thinks Urban's, even internally, is probably just making the decisions. Sure. And then, wait a minute, now we got a GM, too. We're in partnership together. Oh, yeah, let's add that. To, the whole thing was clunky, yeah. sloppy, and a bad weekend for the Jags. I mean, it was a bad Thursday, Friday, Saturday, despite their future franchise quarterback who seems can't miss throwing on Friday morning. It was bad. I mean, there's no other way to get, about, get around it. And uh, I guess we, the good thing now, at least for the Jags' perspective, is they can move forward. Uh, and Chris Doyle's not a part of their staff. I guess ultimately, maybe you could say they got it right. <laughs> ultimately, yeah. after a bad 72 hours of trying. No, not for sure. Like, I mean, listen, obviously, you know, I feel about the decision. Um, it, it is what it is, but I'm glad to see, like, you, you at least saved a little face by diffusing the situation when you did, um, and it is what it is from there. All right, uh, we got to take a break. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We're still going to get to the uh, the – Grass surface versus artificial, um, turf. artificial turf. Yes. I think we have Lance hanging on the line. We'll try to get, uh, if, he, if he got a few minutes to hang on. Sorry, Lance. We'll get back to the Andrew Luck and uh, Trevor Lawrence as well. And uh, a lot of teal rumors, huh? I mean, I wouldn't really call them rumors anymore. So you think it's like guaranteed teal? Well, I, I mean, unless you're just trying to be cryptic for the heck of it, I think something's about to happen. Did you solve a riddle today? Wasn't that hard, to tell you the truth. Was it you or Dilla? <laughs> uh, di- well, the only reason why I solved it and I, I figured it out in the first place was because Dilla used to do the same thing back in uh, free agency. Mm. All right. I'm a little Sherlock Holmes. Dilla leading the way. Yeah. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. All right, Jason Fitz, thanks for checking in, man. We didn't try to keep you too, too long today. We we, we gave you a short time. Austin Lane. Hey, Jason, real quick, man. Since you have oh, that on. McCoff Award, um, you know, since you can, you know, vote on that, Murray State's got a couple good receivers. <laughs> no, they, they, they didn't play this year, okay? They didn't play a game this year. But Murray State's got a couple good receivers. Just check them out real quick. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. This is a, a guy who's elite. You think about last year's draft. Cam Newton wouldn't have been a Carolina Panther had Andrew Luck come out last year. Andrew Luck would have been with the Panthers. Maybe Newton with Buffalo. You think about RG3. 
Back in the summer, there were some analysts, not me, but some analysts thinking maybe a projection to wide receiver. I think for RG3, there's a big gap, big differential in rating between Luck and RG3. And really for RG3, a big differential between where he is and where the next quarterback, be it uh, Brock Osweiler from Arizona State or Ryan Tannehill from Texas A&M or Nick Foles from Arizona. They're uh, dropped down significantly on the board from where RG3 is. So it's Luck, RG3, and then everybody else. That's interesting. Uh, that's Mel Kuyper, obviously, back before that draft in what would have been 2012. And, boy, how, how it's interesting to go back and listen to that stuff, isn't it? I yeah. mean, it, it's just wild to, to hear it. And now they were right about – they were really right year one, <laughs> right? Luck and RG3, obviously, wowed everybody. Just didn't have the staying power. I, I think if you go back and you look and you say, wow, Tannehill will now be the <laughs> the guy. Yeah. He's like the best one of that class right now, right? Because Luck's retired. Yeah. Or I'm not saying overall he was the best. I'm just saying he's the best one right now. And also Foles is the only guy that's won a Super Bowl out of all that. So it was interesting. I was watching um, after the Trevor Lawrence Pro Day um, on ESPN2. They had – I forgot who the dude was. But he was like a draft expert uh, on the ACC network. And they had like this criteria. It was like the quarterback rating scale or something like that. It was like, you know, I mean, basically it's another – criteria that says this guy's gonna be this good whatever yeah and they compared it since uh andrew luck came out and trevor lawrence i think was a 98 overall uh andrew luck was a 97 and then they had 295s in that group um so they're pretty comparable the 295s were Jameis winston and rg3 really and it's like okay i mean i, I like the andrew luck comparison we'll take that all day I don't think Jacksonville is going to take Jameis Winston or RG3, though. And RG3 is more of an injury thing, I think, than anything. But let's be honest. I mean, the guy fell off real quick. Not only that, but RG3 is about five years before his time. Yeah. If if RG3 got drafted now, and again, injuries, I think you're right. But Mm RG3 got drafted now, how much better would he fit, Mm -hmm. right, with with what obviously he's in – Baltimore with what Lamar Jackson's doing and what the willingness again it's not about them it's about the about the coaches and about the NFL their willingness to adopt to that style uh and and the college style a little bit more hey uh, just quick weather update we're gonna get Lance on here in a moment but uh tornado watch until 10 o'clock in the area uh there's been some tornado warnings in the area uh you can listen over to the 104.5 WOKV for the very latest our Action News Jack's first alert uh weather team also on CBS 47 and Fox 30, but some significant weather in the area uh, out to our west, to south as well. I know Putnam um, and Columbia counties had some uh, uh, tornado warnings and watches. So make sure you get the latest 104.5 WOKV and also on TV, CBS 47 and Fox 30. If anything gets uh, super close here in Duval County, we could potentially even flip over to some weather to give you the latest uh, again with the first alert uh, weather team led by of course uh, chief meteorologist Mike Borish that's the latest on that front let's talk a little bit more about the quarterbacks right now and bring in uh, Lance he's been hanging on the line for a while so I wanted to get to Lance Lance thanks for hanging around for us man what's up hey no problem guys um, yeah we're just talking earlier about you know why so many people showed up to Trevor Lawrence and everything like that and I just wanted to give you a little take on this is you know they, they keep saying that he's the best since Andrew Luck well, I would even go so far to say that really the NFL world are saying he's the best since John Elway. Because if you really go back and listen, if you listen to Mel Kuyper, yeah, he said what he said. Well, there was people like Tony Dungy, uh, even said he called the Colts and said they were making a mistake, taking luck, that RG3 should really be the guy. 
and that he had RG3 graded higher than Andrew Luck. And even if you go back to Peyton and Ryan Leaf, you know, there was some people said Ryan Leaf should come out over Peyton. So I think the reason everybody's getting so excited is we haven't seen anybody that's this clear cut, hands down, the number one guy going all the way back to John Elway. And that's just got me excited as a Jaguars fan. Hey, Lance, uh, you should be excited, man. I think it's awesome. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, appreciate the call again. Thanks for hanging on and listening to the show here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Yeah, I wasn't trying to scare anybody. I don't need to hear anything negative. I'm just surprised that there's not any negative comments. And you just said it. The grade's what, a 98? It's like the highest grade from I mean, whatever this you is, saw. This is one I scale. I mean, there's, there's so many things. different criterias out there. The yeah. bottom line is it doesn't matter who you ask, you're going to get that kind of response, whether it's comps to Manning Luck, John Elway, or whether it's these super high grades that nobody's ever seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, at Clemson alone, I mean, you look at what Watson has done, and Lawrence is considered better, a better prospect, better even in his college days than Watson was. And so let's just say this. If he can just be better than Watson for the rest of his life, they're probably doing all right. For sure. No, <laughs> right? you're not lying, man. <laughs> you know? you're, you're not lying. And, like, listen, I mean, I guess – I mean, I'm trying to think of like who the last clear cut number one. I mean, would you say Joe Burrow? I guess Joe Burrow, huh? Well, but- Burrow had Burrow was an easy number one, but I don't think everybody was convinced Burrow was it going to be consensus. great. It wasn't a consensus. Yeah, like, yeah. It's two different things, right? True. Who's going to be the clear cut number one? And, and that doesn't happen all the time, to your point. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even Manning and Leaf, it wasn't clear cut. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but can't miss is a different conversation. Sure. And especially at the QB position, and they're just there's been a handful or less of those over the years. Mm-hmm. And obviously the latest being Andrew Luck. And they were right on Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck was a terrific player. Yeah. Fantastic player. Yeah. Uh so again, sign me up for Andrew Luck. Sign me up for John Elway. Sign me up for a little bit better than Deshaun Watson and I take it. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got in Trevor Lawrence. And what I've really just tried to pound home for the last few weeks is it's not an over dramatization. He is considered to be that good. That can't miss. And he's lived up to the hype in the past, and he's coming to Jacksonville. He just can't get over the middle of December, how the storyline changed and the luck of this franchise might have changed um, for the Jaguars, which is uh, pretty cool. Uh, Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Stuart Weber checks in here from the Action Sports Jacks department uh, down in Daytona as well. Stuart, uh, natural grass or uh, artificial turf? Not for racing. Well, you're talking about NASCAR, right? Because no. I can make a compelling argument. I, I know. You're, you're <laughs> a little mad about the sod very, at Daytona. I'm very mad about the uh-huh. sod taking out my favorite driver, uh, Ryan Blaney. He was doing fine in that big opening wreck. Got forced into the infield. The wet grass tore apart the front end of his car. And a case can be made for the artificial turf because that's what they've done in Charlotte. They replaced the grass with turf, and now if your car goes in there, you just glide right across so you don't tear up your million-dollar car and mess up your chances for winning the Great American Race. The problem is you glide right across and nothing slows you down. It's true. (laughs) At 200 miles an hour. But sometimes that's not awful because, you know, if if, your car's not broken, then you can keep going. We were saying this. I was like, you you know, that that wreck, the first wreck uh, around lap 15. Not Derek Cope's wreck. The sod Mm. alone probably will cost Daytona about Fifty thousand dollars. Oh yeah, right. And got to replace her divots. He said, "Yeah, that fifty thousand dollars of sod probably costs about ten million dollars in damage to the cars." Sure, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> That's an expensive wreck. Yes, it is. Yeah, Daytona. You pretty much, you pretty much know you're you're losing your car because you either win and it's going into Daytona USA to be on display for the next year, <laughs> or you lose and it's going straight to the junk heap because it's probably destroyed. 
Artificial turf or grass surface for the NFL or sports in general? Grass all day. All day, even and though the, you hated Chicago. It's not even close. Yeah, I hated Chicago and I hated Pittsburgh at some times, too, because Pittsburgh played with the University of Pitt. So it was kind of like double duty for yeah. some games. It's interesting, right? Because you used to ask me this question, artificial turf. Mm-hmm. I would say, oh, no, grass all day instead of artificial turf because it used to be concrete. Like, it was yeah. really just, it looked oh. like grass over concrete. I mean, listen, I, Murray State was the last school in the NCAA to have actually AstroTurf as their field. Really? So my freshman and sophomore year, I played an AstroTurf. Yeah. I, I, I don't wear basketball <laughs> shoes. And the, you know how weird it is wearing basketball shoes playing football? I know. It's odd, right? It doesn't like, feel right. Like, Ty, I, I never, I don't think I ever did. I don't think I ever played on turf, a turf field. Yeah. Well, that's much more common now in baseball. Okay. All right. And, like, I mean, down in uh, Newberry and down in uh, Sanford. They have the turf fields, mm-hmm. and so you wear you don't wear spikes. You wear turf shoes yeah. to play on it. And like so, the kids are now a little bit more used to it. And you may at the youth level, in the high school level, from a cost standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. And by the way, it has grown leaps and bounds. It's no longer hard. It's got give to it. It lasts like ten years. There's a lot of reasons to like the turf. Now baseball is a little trick. You know, I can get a bad bounce. That's good. But it comes at you lightning quick. I mean, you know, yeah. or you get a chopper and it's boom into the outfield. So there's some interesting dynamics to it. But I just think overall, at the high school level, we've seen from a cost-effective standpoint, it's a big upfront cost. But now you don't have to mow the field all the time. You get to put lacrosse, soccer, football, all these different sports on it without worrying about the weather. And we've said this about a place like Lee High School where they've had turf issues that at that football field forever and the big reason why is because they don't have a practice field for football they don't have a place to practice their game field is their practice field if you have an artificial turf field boom problem solved yeah you're not going to tear it up every day during the week getting ready for the game on friday and if you ask me grass versus artificial i will say grass for the next 10 years then artificial because i feel like technology is going to keep advancing they're going to get something even better Think about how much it's come in the last 10 years. Yeah, that's a good point. Who knows? 10 years from now, it could be that much better, and it have, feels like you're the, on grass. The great solution at that point. So yeah. I'm going to peer into the future and well, go there. There used to be a like NFL guys yeah. would consider, I think, like a, they they worried about knee injuries, especially on the of turf, course. right? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or leg injuries. Was it New yeah. York this year where they had all those injuries right at the beginning of the yeah. season. Yep. Do you think people worry about that anymore, though, from the turf grass perspective? I mean, yes and no. Like, there's always a worry, like, when it rains. I, I mentioned this during the break. So we played at Buffalo, and it was raining, and they had an artificial surface. When it rains like that, it gets very slick. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the way that field set up, you know, because it, it used to, I mean, I'm sure it's the same way, but, like, the ground-up tire, right? So you wear, like, the cleats. Oh, with yeah, the I end up with all that in my exactly. shoes. Exactly. But, like, the problem with that is it's, it's, it's a very slick surface until you plant your foot. And then when you plant your foot in that tire, well, then your, your cleat kind of sticks and then you kind of you know you can mess up your needs and things like that so that's the big concern in my part and that's what happened i think in new york when i'm reminded of jordan reed going towards the end zone just on a routine play literally like a routine i think it was like a, a post route um he catches the ball he plants and just his leg just gives out hmm. because of the, the stickiness per se i don't know how else you describe it but like the stickiness of planting your foot and that tire just grabs onto it and then you can't have any kind of given it i don't feel like i've ever asked scoby this but i gotta believe kickers love the turf 
Probably, yeah. There's a lot the less that can happen. Feel, yeah, you know, yeah. The I mean, now the slick nature of that for your plant foot could come into play depending True. on which surface you're on. But, but I would I say mean, nine listen, out of ten times, were, you know what it is. There's yeah. a consistent surface. And right? also, like, it's it, better than the infield that they used to kick on in <laughs> Oakland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. True. But even if it rains on grass, bro, like, it's gonna be slick as well. But True. I'm just reminded of like, listen, I've told this story before. Chicago, and I'm not sure if they changed it by now, but like when I played, the worst surface by yeah. far, and the field looked immaculate. It looked beautiful. But for whatever reason, it was just the grass was so thick where, um, and listen, you know, they, they say you have the, you can have the molded cleats or like the five stud or this, I'm sorry, the seven stud cleats. So like yeah. the seven stud are the screw in ones, right? Well, players hate to wear the seven stud cleats because they're not comfortable. All right. You basically have seven spikes in your feet and you got to step on them. And Chicago was the only place on grass where I'd have to play all my games with seven studs. Like I never even wore the molded cleats huh. um, just because it just it didn't pay. And like everyone on the team knew that as well. So it was kind of like a competitive advantage because teams would come in rocking the molded cleats, see the field is in you know horrible shape, and then change to the seven studs. Did you jump out to a lot of early leads in those games? Nah, man. They okay. won a lot of games that year, so there wasn't a lot of anything going on. The advantage wasn't really there then, I <laughs> no. guess. Nine yeah. out of ten players would say grass, though, you think? Yes. Okay. I mean, it's 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 more comfortable. Um, you get tackled, doesn't hurt as much. You make a tackle, doesn't hurt as much. You don't get the ground tire up in your eyes. Yeah, grass all day. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I think most, I I agree with that. I think most people would say just there's something natural to it. That's why they call it natural grass. And there's just something that's how you grew it's up playing. About, exactly. You know? I was gonna say like there's something to be said for just like the pop warners like playing in a grass field. It yeah. might be crappy, but it's still grass. E- you even know? when like, it gets ripped up, even at the NFL level, yeah. it's still something about it. It's okay. Like if it's a bad surface on a artificial turf you're like what yeah. do you mean how is this well, even messed up right because like growing up in south florida there were no artificial turfs no for sure everything was all grass down well, there. listen and jacksonville's got it made right because the yeah. weather i mean they can have it year round but i'll say this if green bay can find a way to have it an immaculate field every single year in that yeah. kind of weather i feel like every nfl team should be able to do that regardless of how much it costs it's the nfl you got money michael mcdowell wins the daytona 500 weber we were there for every minute of it <laughs> we certainly were there uh listen early on Fun stuff. I wouldn't say the middle of the race once they started it back up was anything great, but the end is what everybody pays attention to at Daytona, and it delivered again. Yeah, that's the problem. Obviously, when you have a major wreck at the very beginning of it, 15 laps into it, it's going to change the entire complexion of the race. You take out, you know, 15 some odd cars, you're not going to have the same sort of pack racing that you normally would. Instead, you get that follow the leader mentality. All the drivers are thinking, let's just get through these first two stages, get to the final stage and, and try to get to a checker flag, especially after waiting six hours. You know, yeah. I, I still feel like it, it stages one and two would have dragged on even if they didn't have that rain delay because of the lack of cars, because you have so many less contenders vying for spots and stage points at the end uh, of each stage. But, yeah, uh, in the end, you, you get what everybody came for. I know some of the guys like Denny Hamlin were a little confused why people weren't making the moves a little earlier. Yeah, yeah. And well, by the way, thinking, the whole broadcast was. We were yeah, there, was, and you could hear it. I was thinking the, the same thing, too. I, I was, you got to go with, like, two laps to go at the least, two right? Two or three, yeah. I mean, and, and we're, we're following it. We're shooting. We're in a different spot this year yeah. because of the pandemic. We're in the stands, essentially. Um, Which was kind of cool. It was. It was a different spot to see the race from. Takes me back to being a fan, you know, of where you actually watch the race from. And so, you know, we're on kind of that second level right near pit exit. And so from there, you can see the entire track, you you know, because in NASCAR, the higher you go, the more you can see. It's that that weird paradox yeah. that the higher seats are better at True. a place like Daytona. Two and a half miles. Two and a half mile trial, you got to be able to see it all. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm I'm following him going around with a camera and I'm just like, when when is the second line going to form and develop? Because in NASCAR, it's all, you know, at least, especially at Daytona, you need help. 
you need a, a run. You need a push from somebody in order to start that second line and really get after the leaders. And nobody was doing it. They were just letting Logano lead them round and round. And sure enough, it comes down to heading into turn three when you finally get that push and that run. And uh, obviously proved to be a little bit too much of a push as McDowell put Kozlowski right into Logano, took those two out, and away he went. Do we like the McDowell win? Like, it, it's we we want big names, especially in a sport like NASCAR. You kind of want – it's like Daniel Berger winning. Great job, man. A clutch putt on 18. But if it was Speed that won, we'd be talking about it a lot more today. Yeah. If Hamlin and Warner Bubba Wallace wins, we are talking about it a lot more. But there is still something cool. The guy was 100-1 to one long shot. It's his first ever win. He's been racing for like 14 years on the circuit, yeah. and he gets it at the Daytona 500. Isn't that cool? Do we like the Cinderella story? I think NASCAR needs more like sure things and big names as opposed to the flavor of the week, but it's my opinion. Yeah, it's funny because you go back and forth on it. You know, when someone like this wins, maybe maybe if this happened two weeks from now at Homestead, it'd be a little better. You know, you don't want the nobodies to win the biggest race in your sport, but you do want the nobodies to win some race in your sport because, you know, two months from now, we're going to be talking about how dominant Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, guys like that are in in the sport. You know, every year we're like, oh, there's a big three. Martin Truex, yeah, Brad yeah. Kozlowski, Joey Logano. You, you end up with a big three, and you're like, all right, well, one of these three guys is going to win it. And, and that's a big problem in motorsports, especially like Formula One, where it's two guys who win every single week. NASCAR isn't quite to that point yet, but you do have the major teams dominating in these intermediate tracks, the mile-and-a-half tracks, because they have all the testing and all the ability that goes into it, whereas short tracks, road courses, more skill, the super speedways, all luck. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we had here in Daytona. Hey, stick around if you can. I got a question. The sure. last lap at Daytona, where does it rank with other end-of-game moments in sports? Love the question by Coos coming up big on this Valentine's Day like weekend. Like the PK shootout. <laughs> so got in the doghouse or something. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690.